Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. It's Tuesday, which means we're taking a first look at everything for the week 10 slate. Going position by position here. I'm Dave Lochran. With me, Ben Rasa, as always, and Sal Vetri. We're happy to have all of you guys with us as well. Before we jump into it, very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, it is the easiest way to help support us. Only if you like the content, right? If you like the channel, if you like what we do here, uh, if you like all of the free content across all of the sports, hit that subscribe button. It helps us out greatly. And our shows will pop up more for you, so you never miss them. Hit that thumbs up as well as we get started here. Ben, what's going on, man? How'd your week nine go with all of these injuries? Yeah, that was, you know, there's a couple of weeks uh, every year where you just have no chance. Um, and it's nothing you can control. You kind of just have to throw it out. And I'm not unique in this. We are talking before the show. I had a lot of David Johnson. Uh, when I didn't use him, I paid down with Justin Jackson. It, it took out a, a disproportionate amount of my lineups and... Such is life. You try to survive those weeks, it's going to happen to everyone, and there'll be weeks when you don't have those guys and you're at a huge advantage. But unfortunately, that was not the case for me. Yeah, Sal, I think we all took a hit when it came to injuries. We did the recap show yesterday uh, morning, and there was there was a lot of that in the chat. There was a lot of that between myself, Adam, and Josh. It was, it was tough to avoid all of those landmines. Yeah, David Johnson I had in, like, my main – high stakes single entry lineups a couple of three max and then I thought maybe that the Justin Jackson injury would actually help out only because he was like 50% owned in those types of contests and then I had him in like 35% of my 150 so it was just everywhere landmines at points thinking that I could maybe get back into it and it was like within five or six points if I had one of those guys but just not enough I think it was down like 30% at the end of the week yeah Drew Locke was so big for me at the uh in the fourth quarter of that game that was a spot that I was pretty heavy on all week and going into the Late third quarter, I was like, yeah, might have made a mistake here, but came through in a big way. Unfortunately, of course, Noah Fant gets hurt early in that, in that game. He was on pace for what seemed like a really solid game. Uh, he still got a solid performance from Jerry Judy, but on the other side, you know, the run back was naturally going to be Julio Jones. You didn't get to need to get crazy with that because, well, why would you when Drew Locke wasn't that uh, uh, popular anyway? But really, one spot that killed me, Ben, was was James Conner. I mean, I just they, they it looked like they didn't they didn't run the ball once in the second half. They got down to the Dallas Cowboys as fourteen and a half point favorites. 
it was like everything in that game that could have gone wrong did go wrong. And Pittsburgh didn't even deserve to win it with how flat they came out. But um, yeah, the, the James Conner play, man, I, I, that was literally worst case scenario for something like that. Yeah, that was disappointing. I wasn't, I'll be honest, that was the late game and I, I was paying less and less attention because I didn't have really many outs. Right. I was more focused on betting at that point. It was, and then I think the the other thing that, and listen, Dalvin Cook is phenomenal. Absolutely fantastic. But Lafayette, I know you had interest in Christian McCaffrey. I was warming to him and it was literally impossible or very hard to get to him after the reports of rotating series. And obviously that's not what happened. He was fantastic as well. He was. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I tried to get a little bit over the field, right? I think I had like 15 or 17% or something like that. But the, the crazy thing is, Sal, it didn't matter. Like, I'm thinking, man, that, that worked out great. And then here comes this monster fourth quarter from Dalvin Cook, and it didn't really matter unless you paired the two of them together, which was tough to do. Yeah, and it's like previous weeks with Devontae Adams. If you don't play him, he's got like 16 points after the first two drives of the game. That's how Dalvin Cook was this past week. He had like 14, 15 fantasy points. I'm like, okay, just get just 30, and I'll be okay by having exactly. like a third of the field of you right now, having like, yeah, 15% McCaffrey, some other spots, and then you're holding your breath. It's like Derrick Henry a couple weeks back when he was chalky. Same situation, breaks off this like 70-plus yard touchdown in the fourth quarter, and then you just see a bunch of your lineup start sinking when there's another 15 points added to his total. All right, let's turn the page then. We've got week 10 upon us. That's crazy word, week 10 already. It doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, but here we are. We've got 11 games to touch on. Ben, we'll start it off with the quarterback position. We'll go throughout all of them. And then at the end, we'll give our favorite defense special teams play. I'm going under $2,700 today. So prepare yourselves for that. At quarterback, the top of the position, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen. Now, these guys are facing, ready, Buffalo in a game that has a 56-point total. Aaron Rodgers has got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Russell Wilson has the Rams in what's projected to be another high-scoring game. Tougher spot against that secondary, but we've seen Wilson you know, beat up much better teams than that. Uh, and then Josh Allen against Arizona. There's These are the only guys above 7K, and Josh Allen is actually the cheapest at 7,500 on DraftKings. This is going to be, I mean, at, at first glance, you look and there are, you mentioned these matchups, there's multiple quarterbacks in just absolutely perfect spots. Uh, what does that mean? It means that it, I think it's going to be pretty tough to pay down because the opportunity cost is extreme. When we talk about Buffalo's defense has shown they're obviously happy to get into some shootouts and Kyler gets there every week with his rushing ability. Rodgers against Jacksonville. The Seahawks, Sal was mentioning, and he can touch on this, they're historically bad right now defending the pass. Uh, some of the metrics, if you look at them. So obviously you've got Russell Wilson on the other side of that. We'll get to Goff as well. There's a lot to like. I will be paying up at quarterback almost exclusively. I really think that if you pay down, you're sacrificing too many raw points with all these good matchups. Yeah, it's, Sal, it's tough to pay down in spots. Like I said, I, I, I kind of backdoored it with Drew Locke last week and I'll take it happily, but it isn't that often that, that these discount quarterbacks in 2020 are putting up monster numbers. I know Jake Luton did it, uh, Locke did it, but uh, we'll start at the top and we will get down to the bottom. How are you approaching these highest tier players at the quarterback spot? 
Yeah, I like it a lot. And and what I always try and look for is obviously good team totals. But if a quarterback's going to come in as a slight underdog with a good team total, it makes it even more appealing. Just odds are they're going to play from behind or at least not be out in front and relying on a running game late in the game. So we're getting a lot of that from these quarterbacks up here from Allen Watson, Herbert as well, but Russell Wilson. So right away, Wilson, same thing last week. He stood out to me. He's $100 more this week. He's coming in actually as an underdog in this one. And yeah, their defense is on pace. I mean, we still were only halfway there a little more, but on pace to give up a thousand yards more in the passing game than any other defense of all time. So that's just keeping him having to throw. You saw it last week and you're seeing it over time now. 50 pass attempts, 37 and 41 in the last three games. He continues to be efficient, but now he's actually getting that volume. So at 7,700, it's almost like you're, if you want a full on game stack of a two pass catchers, you know, Lockett and Metcalf, but then you're taking up a lot of your salary because of Russ's price point. David Moore got people there last week. You can punt the tight end, but just in general, Wilson's probably the guy that stands out to me the first on first look. Okay. Yeah. All of these guys are going to be, uh, are going to be in play. There's no question about that. I mean, just looking at the top here, Kyler Murray against Buffalo, that is an expensive price point, but what he's capable of doing with his legs, Ben, really, really makes him that much more appealing. And quite frankly, he's giving us over the past, and I'm serious about this, over the past month, you're getting Lamar, Lamar Jackson circa 2019 numbers from Kyler Murray. And I don't think we can ignore that right now. His rushing totals have been through the roof. He's, he's, he's now scored a rushing touchdown in four straight starts. Um, and he's passing better than Lamar Jackson was last season. So look, I'm not trying to draw a direct equivalency to both of them, but I do understand why Kyler Murray is this expensive, uh, even against Buffalo. No doubt. I'll take it a step further. I mean, the Ravens had a couple of things working against them. A, they were incredibly good. Uh, so they were running the ball a lot, a lot of long possessions. The Cardinals are not that good. So Kyler has to play like this because a lot of times they're trailing despite his fantastic stats. I think last week was a perfect kind of example of that in so many ways. The thing that I've been thinking more about, though, is what do we do, you know, and it's obviously when we get to skill position players with these guys in terms of stacks, because their ability to get there on the run mobile, you know, it's just it it changes the way you kind of construct lineups. And obviously there's always going to be good correlation, but more and more I'm starting to see that forcing there's nothing more frustrating than forcing in Kyler, obviously using Hopkins, he gets there and then, you're still in kind of trouble because you just use the stack when these guys can get there in a variety of ways. So it's just, it's a new game right now with these guys that can run for a hundred plus yards. What are you doing down below that seven K range where you get to Deshaun Watson against Cleveland? Um, He was fine last week. He wasn't, he wasn't breaking any slates, but he was fine. Um, And then Justin Herbert against Miami, you know, he continues to rattle off big game after big game. And and now he's actually going up against a Miami team that is favored in this one by two points. Jared Goff, Drew Brees against San Francisco. They got gutted by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers the other week. And then I've got to ask Tom Brady, uh, feel free to hit on whichever one. And, and Sal, you do the same. But Tom Brady, uh, dismal performance having Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette in that offense. They come away with one of the worst performances with a team that good that I've ever seen. Uh, one of the worst that I've ever seen. I think you see a big bounce back here. But nevertheless, what do you think in this tier? So, I mean, the natural spot is, even though I don't think he's a great quarterback, is Goff. Just because, I mean, we, we've already talked about the yeah. Seattle's defense is just absolutely abysmal. The Rams are not afraid to get into shootouts. I mean, just look at last week. <laughs> Goff threw 
61 times in their last game uh, in week eight against Miami. Obviously, if they're trailing and Seattle's a prolific offense, we could see a ton of yards on both sides of the ball. I'm going to say the same thing. I'm a broken record, but I feel strongly about it. Guys like Breeze, guys like Brady on full slates, 11 game slates, they, they're a zero for running and you just can't survive anymore because guys like Kyler, uh, they can make up four or five touchdowns through their, through rushing. Okay. Well, Sal, what about, what about the alternative to that where Ben says, you know, stacking can be a little bit more, more difficult with a guy like Kyler or a guy like Lamar with these players, if they go off, it's certain that they won't be doing it with their legs, meaning that it, the potential to hit on stacks is there's a higher likelihood than it would be maybe with a Kyler Murray playing devil's advocate here for a minute. Yeah. So I think that it depends on the player. Exactly. Like Kyler Murray is almost a very extreme part of that. Cause you have the Sean Watson who can get you like he does last week, 50 rushing yards and seeming like every single week, but he's still keeping his wide receivers very much involved and their price points remain similar uh, to what they are every single week. So Watson stands out to me in the 6K range. But yeah, like some of those guys, like a Jared Goff, like a Breeze, like a Brady, they're going to be very much tied to their pass-catching weapons. So you feel a little bit more confident. And that's like 95% of these guys. So I would say that Goff and Herbert, uh, basically like below Goff, maybe there's one guy in the 5K range that I would consider. But a lot of these, as the trend has been all year, like these veteran quarterbacks that are pretty stationary, have one or two targets at most, probably not going to get there much. I think Herbert's interesting because last week, another 300 yards, should have had three passing touchdowns. He had two guys drop touchdowns in that game. Now the price point goes down. The team total goes down as well, but I still think it's a fine spot for him at $6,600. I'll be honest with you. I think we get a monster game from Tom Brady. Here's my problem. Where the hell do we go? Right, how flat, Sal, is the target distribution going to be in Tampa Bay now that Antonio Brown enters this uh, enters the lineup and – now that Chris Godwin is healthy alongside Evans and Gronk has been worked in more and they've got a pass, a quote unquote pass catching back in Leonard Fournette. Like even if I really like Brady, in in many cases, I'm just taking shots, throwing darts with, with some of these pass catchers, of course, matchups come into play. Right. Uh, But it's going to be a lot more difficult with this array of characters he can throw to now on the box. Yeah, I agree. And I think just like off the hip, I think Evans would be the guy that I would want to, if you're hand building, prioritize the most in those stacks right now. I mean, he just puts up another goose egg, but there's been a couple of just clips so far. He's been open like five times in that past game, just doesn't get the looks from Brady. In the last three weeks, and it stayed consistent this past week with um, Goblin even returning, Evans is being used a good amount in the slot right now. Uh, So it's kind of opening him up to just a lot more of ability to get open in the middle of the field, which he did this past game, just didn't get targeted. Okay. Yeah, for me, it's Godwin, just because I think he can fill more of that role that we saw someone like Julian Edelman play. You mentioned uh, Evans getting more slot opportunities. I actually looked at the games that that Godwin missed, uh, and no one had more receptions out of the slot than Mike Evans in those in, in those games, which is interesting, no doubt. But nevertheless, it's a weird spot. It's a weird spot with so many quality options, and we don't know uh, how often Antonio Brown's going to be looked towards either. Ben, is there any value once we get down below 6K? Um, By the way, Ben Roethlisberger is on the COVID-19 reserve list. I I think he has a chance of playing still. Baker Mayfield also is. um, He could be getting clearance anytime now, potentially tomorrow. But you get sub 6K, you're talking about Carson Wentz against the Giants, Matthew Stafford against Washington, Burrow and Tua against Pitt and the Chargers, respectively. Drew Locke against the Raiders. Anybody down here that interests you? Not really, to be honest. I mean, you know, there's some guys with tough matchups. 
like you mentioned, and I, again, it's more of just the product of the slate. Some, you know, Derek Carr, I think, is in a fine spot against the Denver defense of 54, but even if he gives you what you're looking for, Kyler and those type of players can just explode to, to a level that I... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Even in a multiplier, I don't think we can see... Uh, some of these guys, you know, Daniel Jones, people like that, I, I think they could return fine value, similar to Drew Locke last week. I'm just not sure it'll be enough. And the opportunity cost right now, for me, just not there. So I'm going to keep it pretty straightforward at quarterback. It is, it is my priority to spend up this week. Okay. Sal, got to ask you the same question. Any value worth that, that stands out might be solid in game stacks? Yeah, I think two is the only guy that I would look to down here. He was really good last week. Nine yards per attempt or 8.9, 71% completion percentage. He loses Preston Williams, but then he started targeting Devontae Parker even more. He had over 60 yards, six catches. Gusecki would be another stacking option. So if anything, it would be Tua. Um, it'd probably be like 5% or 3% owned in stacks for me, though, if I ran it right now. Okay. So... The running back position really starts to open up at the top. But I, I, I looked at it earlier today, and I didn't see a ton that really jumped off the page at me, Ben, throughout the entire position. However, you've got Christian McCaffrey, who was originally considered week to week on an ER, I'm sorry, highly doubtful, or his, I'm sorry, his status was in jeopardy or, or doubtful, in doubt. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know, for week 10. Uh, now, it looks like Matt Rule is, is a little bit more optimistic, saying he's day-to-day. If he does, in fact, sit, you have Mike Davis at minimum salary, which is just going to ruin everything. But the, the one spot that really intrigues me is down here at 7,100, Aaron Jones at home against Jacksonville. I'd probably pay $8,000 for him in this spot. And I do think it's also an opportunity for James Conner at home against Cincinnati to bounce back in a big way where people are probably going to really sour on him when he was 20% owned in tournaments last week. Your thoughts on the top tier? Yeah. And I, I think that these guys are slightly underpriced and it gives more room to pay up at quarterback. Like if Aaron Jones was 82, 8,300, I don't think anyone would, would be saying, Oh, that's too high. I'd like to get to him, but it's, it's too big a price point. It easily could against Jacksonville is one of the worst in the league. You mentioned Pittsburgh, great game script. Once again, at home, the Cleveland situation, we'll have to keep an eye on. Chubb may be back uh, against Houston, so that's something to monitor. To me, it's pretty simple. You've got those two guys. If McCaffrey sits, that changes the entire slate, as you mentioned. Um, you will have an astronomically high-owned player. It will open up a ton, and then it furthers the, the point of why I think it would be almost crazy to pay down a quarterback then because you will have so much salary to play with. Sal, what about you? Yeah, it's it's going to be Aaron Jones by a wide margin. There was a lot of concerns Thursday night if he's going to get any type of workload, if he'll be an emergency back potentially. And then he sees 20 touches, now has a mini buy, so no concerns about his health. I assume that's where all the ownership piles on. Uh, if McCaffrey's in, then maybe we get a little bit of relief there. But it'll be Aaron Jones for me. And then, yep, keep an eye on just what's happening in, in Cleveland right now. Just It's also Chubb is a knee injury. He's had issues with that. He's wearing a brace right now, too. I don't know if that'll affect him by any means. He wore it in college 
um, towards the end before he was training to get back into the NFL. So we'll see what happens there. But up top, above, let's just say like 6,500. Yeah, he's, he's trending towards playing, practicing. So he just has to be officially off IR. So yeah, it, it'd be Aaron Jones for me. And then if indeed Chubb does play and he's set to go, he gets some full participations in. I'd actually have interest at 68 because I assume nobody's going to want to go there. How, what do you think the timeshare looks like there? Uh, does it go back to what it was before the injury, you think? If he starts practicing in full, yeah. Like if he only draws like a Friday limited practice or something, then you just have to kind of take your risk. Again, lower ownership still. But if I had to say right now he gets a couple limited practices in, yeah, I would say that it's probably he's going to see his 65 70% on the ground and Hunt's going to see like this opposite just in the air. Gotcha. I'd say the only difference, not that you were drawing a comparison between a couple of spots we've seen in the past two weeks, but with somebody like Dalvin Cook coming back, there was concern, hey, oh, it's going to be a timeshare. Alexander Madison, I know people get hyped about this guy, but when given the opportunities, he's been okay. But Dalvin Cook is the far superior back, uh, and we saw that him getting all the work two weeks ago in his return off of an injury. Christian McCaffrey, Davis filled in admirably, sure, but we began to see the real Mike Davis over the past couple of weeks. Christian McCaffrey returns and 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 takes over. In a spot like this, I do have some concerns just that Kareem Hunt is a legitimate number one running back on probably half the teams or more in this league. So I don't know if Kevin Stefanski would be willing to just go in and, and go back to the normal workload in his first week. So it's worth keeping an eye on for sure. But yeah, if Nick Chubb comes back against Houston, uh, it's really interesting. If he, What if he doesn't come back? Then you've got Kareem Hunt at 6,700. I know he hasn't been particularly efficient um, in, in, in some of these games, but that seems like a pretty favorable spot as a, as a slight home favorite against the Texans, whose defense has really struggled. Yeah, I would I would probably be getting to a good amount of hunt at that point. And he's a just nice run back option at a fair price point if anybody was to stack up Deshaun Watson with a couple of those receivers. Ben, James Robinson has been, you know, really solid from a volume standpoint. Twenty or forty-seven attempts over his last two games. Pretty amazing stuff, right? Two hundred plus combined yards. Uh his targets have been a little bit all over the map, but as much as I love targeting Green Bay's run defense, and we've seen them in gash time and time again, I very much worry that this game gets out of control early and James Robinson is not being featured 20-plus times on the ground as we've seen in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, I mean, this spread is 14 points right now in Lambeau. That's just a really tough spot. I thought, honestly, I thought Luton played fine. Um, yeah. They gave themselves a chance, but regardless of who's under center, Jacksonville is going to have some issues uh, the points that Green Bay is going to put up, whether it's Jones or Adams, is going to be a lot. I think he does get phased out. I'll, I'll say another guy who got a lot of volume was Chase Edmonds. Um, 25 carries. Now, Kyler is such a serious threat on the ground. That's another situation we kind of have to monitor. We have to see what's going on uh, with Drake. I believe he's just kind of still sporting the Q tag. But, you know, these are the type of plays we're going to have to at least consider. There's a lot of guys uh, with Q tags in this next range, it's pretty, pretty barren. What a disappointment Edmonds was. He really was like, it was not for a shortage of workload either. 25 carries, 28 touches in that game. He had a combined 88 yards on 28 touches. You know, that's, that's not the answer. What are you doing with Miles Sanders? Assuming he's active against the New York giants. He's um, I feel like he's flown under the radar a little bit this season. 
and some of the matchups like San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, all three of them in a row, uh, before the injury and before the bye, he had back-to-back games with a 74-yard rush. One of them went for a touchdown, another would have, but he fumbled at the goal line, and Arthega Whiteside fell in under the football uh, into the end zone. But point being here is when you look at the production from Miles Sanders, his rushing totals on the year, 95, 95, uh, 46, 80, 118. And he's been targeted quite heavily in games where they need to target him at 6,400. Assuming he comes back at full capacity. What do you think about him against the giants? So I, I certainly don't mind it. He's explosive. You just mentioned he's thrived in, in some pretty tough matchups. I will say though, the giants defense is not bad. They really aren't. Really they've, got, they, they've got problems, but I don't think it's defensively. Look at rushing yards allowed per attempt. They're fifth in the league, 3.7 yards per carry, very respectable. He's explosive. So if the workload is going to be there and the ownership is not, I certainly will have shares, but I don't think it's, you know, some of these guys are in such good matchups. That would be a totally different situation. This is not a great matchup for the Eagles. Okay. I, I'm willing to get there at 6,400 yeah. if he's going to be the guy. Uh, it's interesting though, Sal, our boy Red Dog in chat What's up, brother? Says Sanders has been extremely efficient when healthy this year, tallying 434 yards and four touchdowns while averaging 6.1 yards per carry on the ground. On the surface, yet, yeah. and, and I'm not trying to go back and forth here, but he actually hasn't been – how do we classify efficient? Do we classify efficient as just their yards per carry or what we've actually watched them do? Because in terms of yards per carry, it's massively inflated by those two big runs. And then he's pretty much been stuffed for the remainder of those games. So I do think with Miles Sanders, you probably in many cases, especially against a relatively good run defense, you're going to need one of those big runs, which he's capable of doing, but you're likely not going to get him churning out, you know, 10 yards uh, per carry nine yards, like an Aaron Jones or a Derrick Henry type. Yeah, exactly. Like I think he only has, I'm looking at 83 total touches this year. So it's really hard to judge efficiency because of those two long runs. Like once you start to get to 150 touches, you can talk about it more because he's at 6.3 yards per touch. So he's like a top five running back in terms of efficiency. But like you're saying, you factor out just one of those long runs. It's like Juju from two years ago. He had like two 90 plus yard touchdowns. You factor out just one of those and you're starting to drop to look like almost like an average running back. So if he keeps this type of efficiency up in like another two or three games of touches, then yes, but it's a little bit, it's, I would say, yeah, it's a little bit seems somewhat fake right now. Yeah. And they granted some tough matchups on the ground and they've fallen behind a lot. So it's just tough for me to gauge, but at that price, I like him. What do you think of this 6k range, Sal? Yeah. I mean, I think once you start getting below really Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, it becomes just pretty foggy overall. Like Chase Evans is there yet again. Everything went right in terms of the opportunity he got. Just yeah. it seems to be more scheme. He's not bad, but he averaged 2.8 yards per carry and not that difficult of a matchup. So that's a concern for maybe the offensive line or the scheme. Kenyon Drake still day to day. So we have to hold that and wait. I would say like Mixon, it's really a dead range. Like Mixon at 6,100, touchdown underdog, if he even returns this week. They're saying that he's looking better. I uh, had the bye week to get back. You're getting 24 opportunities per game. That's the only reason that that looks somewhat appealing at this point. He's seeing targets as well, but it becomes a dead range. And then you start to get a couple of value guys because of the opposite side of some of these injuries that start to spike up towards the, the five and even the 4K range. Ben, I've got to ask you about the Tampa Bay run game, whether we want to talk about it or not, right? Uh, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette combined for nine yards on four carries the other day. That's a record for the fewest carries in a game by a team. But against Carolina, 
do we do we see an opportunity here for a, a discount Ronald Jones, or do you just stay away from this altogether? So there's no doubt that there's immense risk because there are sure. two guys, game flow dependent. It can get away, but this is just a. I throw the New Orleans game out completely for everyone: Brady, the receivers, the I'm running backs. It, it's an outlier. Uh, this should be against the Carolina team, a, a game where the Bucks, I, I believe, will be ahead. They will be leaning on the run game. My gut feel says that Ronald Jones gets the first crack at it, and if they happen to fall behind, that Fournette would benefit. So 5,300, I don't mind it. You know, Gibson is there at 56 against Detroit. That's someone I think will garner interest. There's just not that many guys here because of the injuries. I mean, there's there's guys on IR all over the place. There's guys that are questionable, and then there's guys that are backups like Gio. Um, so I think you do have to consider, at least consider someone in the Tampa backfield this week. Okay. I think you do too. Sal, it's not fun, but there, there's, the, I guess the way I'm looking at it too with someone like Jones and, and Ben pointed out a lot right there, there, there aren't a lot of good discount running backs. And I know we can get to wide receivers and tight ends. We'll talk about that. But uh, as far as the cheaper options go, there really isn't that much, especially if some of these injured guys uh, that are more expensive end up playing and their backups don't get the, the, the same workload. Yeah, exactly. Like we just, it it all comes down to the end of the week, David Johnson concussion protocol, Duke Johnson got 20 plus opportunities and he actually looked good in those. They were already talking about giving him more work to begin with uh, since the coaching change and talking about that, he got all of it with the injury. So he's at 5k flat. I'd be very interested in that if David Johnson was out and then I'm probably not going to play him, but like JD McKissick compared to Antonio Gibson at this point, I have to favor targets. Yeah, like these guys like McKissick, I mean, when you catch nine passes, I mean, you're basically a a good-looking wide receiver at that point in the running back position, but it's guys like McKissick, it's guys like Ryan Nall, who he ended up seeing, I think, three catches, found the end zone, and he was a top 12 running back on the week. Like these guys, and this is why maybe like Nick Chubb was more of an aggressive stance because we know he's not going to get that much passing work either way. Like guys that are just literally going to see four receptions are going to be in line for being a top 15, top 20 back on the week. And McKissick's down in this range below 5K. I don't want to overreact to 14 targets, but Gibson wasn't getting any work on the ground either. And he's at least somebody that stands out if you don't get like Duke Johnson to open up. If you don't get, I mean, 4K flat Mike Davis to open up and those types of names. Yeah. And by the way, do the Washington quarterbacks have the worst luck ever when it comes to, to leg injuries, to lower body injuries? Yeah, it's just I can't even I can't imagine Alex Smith's mental state like walking into the field after that. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but I will say this much. So Alex Smith came in, it was I think like the last the last minute of the first quarter, right? That that happened in the first quarter, I believe. Uh I'm pulling it up now. Uh yeah, okay. He he ran one play. Alex Smith ran one play, or sorry, attempted one pass in the first quarter. Check this out, though. J.D. McKissick, and I'm just wondering how much of this had to do with, with Alex Smith, because if you saw average uh, Alex Smith's, um, his, did you did you see what his average um, yards per attempt was? Yeah, it was like three-something. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it's the lowest of anyone, any quarterback who's attempted at least 25 passes this season. But, Ben, as crazy as it sounds – Maybe that benefits somebody like J.D. McKissick. He saw, ready for this, of his targets, of his 14 targets, um, let's see, 13 of them. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Came with Alex Smith in... Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it makes sense that they want to get the ball out quickly. They could easily be trailing. It, it's a good script. We saw this, honestly, when when Tyrod changed to Herbert. We were talking about, you know, in those yeah. changeover games, you can kind of glean information of how they'll utilize the running backs uh, in terms of checkdowns. I get it. I, I still have trouble just because with Gibson and, and just this offense as a whole. Uh, we'll get to McLaurin and whatnot. But uh, as Sal talked about, down here, we really have to refocus what we're looking for. You're not going to see steady volume. You're just not. There, there is nobody down here like that. So it's can they utilize the full point PPR? Can they get in the right game flow? We have to take the edges where we can because there's just not a lot to talk about. Any interest in DeAndre Swift in this same game? Yeah, I mean, to, for me, I, I think I have no no problem going to a guy that it seems like he's still trending upward. Obviously, there's been ebbs and flows but he can be utilized in the past game. He's somewhat matchup proof in that sense. He's not going to get phased out as much as some of these other guys. And I think you can pencil him in at least north of 10 touches. I think that would be a stone floor. He easily could eclipse 15 like we saw last week. That's pretty good volume for 5,100 at home against, I think, a respectable Washington team, but nothing where I'm, I'm overly concerned about the matchup. Anyone else here, Sal? Um, I, I guess just McCaffrey, we're going to find out the MRI hopefully today or tomorrow, but if he is indeed going to be out, if it's not a sprain and it's something ligament, then Mike Davis at $4,000, I don't know how we don't want to get there, even though he's been bad, like the last three times. I mean, he's still getting like nine fantasy points in his worst performances, with the workload that he's been getting. So it's going to be tough not to have him as like my highest on running back. You know, it's crazy. The, the chargers have been outscored this year, Ben, by eight points. Okay, eight points total on the season, and they're two and six. Yeah, I mean, they them and the Falcons are like a couple plays away from being like in, in like in line for buys in the first round style. It's just <laughs> it's insane. I don't know what that is. Part of me thinks it's just noise, but when it happens time and time again, there there's obviously something that these teams just they cannot close the game. I I don't even even last week. Yes, the Falcons won. Drew Locke had the ball. I know it was a tall task, yeah. but how they even let teams get the ball back with a chance is truly unbelievable. He erupted in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I, as, I, I like Anthony Lynn as a person from everything I've seen, but when you keep losing games by one score that often, not just for one season either, this is reoccurring. Uh, maybe it's time to, to look inside and see what's going on because there's no doubt they have the personnel. This is a talented football team on both sides. But I digress. Let's talk about wide receivers before we do. Um, ben, you know what? Who, what better person than to touch on this than you? We have a promo going. It's called Augusta, A-U-G-U-S-T-A, for the Masters coming up. 
And it doesn't just get you everything off of PGA for an awesome plus platinum weekly pass, but everything off everything on the site. And I know we've got a ton going on for golf coming up. We do. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I saw this promo code, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was half off for golf this weekend. I thought, what a great deal, but you get golf. You also get everything else, MMA, NFL, all the tools from every sport. Obviously on the golf front, we have a ton going on uh, shows on shows projections. We actually added a new tool um, and it's called like the pro golfers exposures. You're going to see Alex, myself, Jason, everyone that we have behind the paywall, kind of how we're structuring our player pool. So it gives you some insight. We obviously do it a little different. I'm hand building. Some of those guys are using fantasy cruncher. So it really fits no matter what type of player you are. And that's one of my favorite things to do. I can compare to see how they do it. People can compare to see how I do it. Uh, No better time to give it a shot for a week. If you don't like it, you know, you get 50% off a week. Uh, It's not going to kill you. And if you do, obviously we hope you stick around. That's the, uh, the PJ pro plays tool. Yep. That's actually free today. There you go. So you get an opportunity to check it out. Um, And like I said, it's just another piece of the puzzle. So you can look and I think I'm just going to hit on it again. I think one of the biggest things is people, you know, they say, Oh, I only play five lineups. So as much as I love to see a guy who builds 150, it's really hard for me. And then other people, they say, you know what, I'm building 150. I don't really need to hear about a three max right now. We have kind of every everything covered there. Some people do it one way, others another. So you can find the person that kind of hits into how you play uh, and kind of study them and can make you a better player. I love it. Uh, the Osmo NFL um, DFS big board is free today too. But yeah, like Ben said, he said everything that needs to be said. Uh, the Osmo Plus Platinum uh, Weekly, all of our sports included, ownership projections, top stack tool, everything. Uh, all of the premium articles, the lineup builder, you want to get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on, all that stuff that's made a ton of winners across the industry is half off, and it expires on Friday the 13th. So use that promo code Augusta when you sign up, awesome.com slash join. All right, Sal, let's kick it off with wide receivers here, starting with the $9,000 DeAndre or uh, Devontae Adams. Exorbitant price point here, but the man deserves it. I've said it. I'll say it again. He's the best receiver in football right now. He and Aaron Rodgers, what he's been able to do, no matter what they try to do defensively to stop this tandem, knowing that there's no one else to throw to, they still get it done every single week, Sal. I don't know how they do. I'm serious. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's maybe with Alan Lazard potentially returning this week, there's just somebody else at least look towards. But it's just guys not being able to guard him. Nobody on Jacksonville is going to be able to guard him at all. Like Henderson maybe can try, but there's nobody that can guard him in the league, in my opinion. And it's just coming to fruition every time they're in the red zone, leads the league with 13 red zone targets. I've said it like three weeks in a row on the show. Like if you're starting your cash lineups, I try and start there. Normally you don't have to end up there, but just try and start there because he's basically like Christian McCaffrey of last year, 30 fantasy points a game yeah. right now for DraftKings. And the thing that's made it different is – Last year, Michael Thomas was like in the same position, but he was like 10K, but you also had Christian McCaffrey as like, okay, you're missing out on McCaffrey at running back, who's basically the wide receiver one and running back one. If McCaffrey does miss this week, Kamara is not going to be the same Kamara target share wise, 30% with Michael Thomas back. So you don't really have that like opportunity cost of another high end guy that we know is going to be locked into this crazy role. And maybe it's Aaron Jones's teammate with the 14 point favorite. But yeah, I mean, out of all these guys that are, let's just say above 7,500, the four or five guys up there, Adams is still going to be the priority to me every week. I think I'm not going to get as much of him. And I keep coming in with like 25%. I think eventually it will be let down if he doesn't score three touchdowns in a game. But for right now, it's been cruise control. 
I love that you brought that up too about the McCaffrey thing. I got a little bit of pushback on it a couple of weeks ago on a different show when I said, hey, Sal, Devontae Adams is essentially the closest thing from a, a volume and predictability standpoint as a running back right now. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's not even like there's there's not even a reason to think that it's going to change. Like again, Alan Lazard expected to be back this week for the Packers, but that's not like a huge threat. If anything, that hurts like your MVS and your secondary options. There's been interviews after every single game that Aaron Rodgers, like the offense that they have run right now is similar to the Saints for the past two or three years. It's Michael Thomas, and then it's run the ball with Alvin Kamara. Same thing's happening right now in Green Bay. It's pretty two-dimensional, but it's working. Yeah, and Ben, you look at like next-gen stats, and he's still getting a pretty incredible amount of average separation despite them doing everything they can to stop him. Oh, yeah. he. I mean... I don't worry about anything in terms of being stopped. The only thing I can say is when you start getting up to $9,000. Oh, it's a lot of money. Yes. No a question. lot of money. And this is a team that could absolutely roll over Jacksonville to the point where you have a really good opportunity both ways with Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. There's going to be a lot of touchdowns up for grabs, but if they don't break the right way, it's almost impossible to get there for, for guys at these type of price tags. So there's nothing in the matchup that you could even be remotely concerned about. They utilize him. They force feed him. It doesn't really matter. I mean, when they're on the, they're the only team right now in the league when the Packers are at the one yard line, it truly feels like it's Devonte Adams time. Like you're not really worried yeah. about goal line carries. They're just going to throw that little play that no one can stop. So he's got every opportunity in the world, but when ownership comes out and we get you know more reliable data, as we get closer to Sunday, you're going to have an opportunity to leverage against him directly with Aaron Jones. Marcos in chat. What's up? Marcos says Adams best receiver. I think that's debatable. Of course it's debatable. It's always debatable. I'm just saying, I think Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the game. Uh, and when you compound that with the fact that he's been playing alongside scrubs the entire season and the majority of last season where he was playing hurt for several games. Yeah. I just, I, I and granted having Aaron Rodgers. To feed you the ball. What's that? Yeah, that that's the one thing against him, I would argue, is he has Aaron Rodgers, and that, yeah. that helps a lot. But I don't think anyone could sit here and say that there's no argument for Adams being the number one in the league right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think he is too, so I'm, I'm with you. What do you think about the – so there's – it's funny because there's tier one, which is just Devontae Adams, right? That's, that's it. And then it drops off $1,300 – and we get five receivers in the 7K range, Ben, from Hopkins to Metcalf to Diggs against Arizona. Again, 56 point uh, over under there. Metcalf against the Rams, 55, I think, total there. Then you have Hopkins against Buffalo. Again, 56 point total, maybe 55 and a half, but it's 55 plus. I can assure you of that. Uh, and then Michael Thomas against San Francisco. We just talked about Devontae Adams what he did to San Francisco and that banged up secondary that just got trashed in prime time. Maybe Michael Thomas sees a, a resurgence here in his second week back. I don't know. You tell me those are our guys above seven K including might I add Keenan Allen against Miami. So Keenan Allen sees Devontae Adams like usage. Uh, they force feed him the ball. Herbert's extremely comfortable with him and he's the lowest owned of this, this range. So I, don't, I think Michael Thomas, to me, is the wild card. Don't know what to expect. He feels like he could be the most underpriced because maybe it, he's going to slowly ascend back to where he was, which is right beside Devontae Adams. Diggs is in the best matchup, I, I think, going against the Cardinals. 
Hopkins, I don't know. Tredavious White certainly hasn't been as nearly as strong as I, I thought he was. And coming off the bounce back, that's kind of interesting. I, I think if if we eliminate Adams for me, Keen Allen's the safest. Diggs is probably the best overall, and Michael Thomas would be the the, the wild card that I think maybe will be the, the lowest owned. Yeah, the, there was no stopping DK Metcalf last week, um, Sal, and he's just a monster. But so is Hopkins. It's it's a matter of whether or not Kyler Murray feels the need to get to DeAndre Hopkins, or can he just look elsewhere as he did last week, where Hopkins saw only three targets and three receptions for 30 yards. So I don't know how certain the volume is here, but the projected score gets really enticing. I don't know. What are you doing in the 7K range? It feels like there's so many ways that this range could just go nuclear. Yeah, they'll all be in groups and be like obvious prime options. Keenan Allen last week was like the first week in four weeks that he wasn't my highest home wide receiver and he was second on that, like 35%. He's just been so consistent. And he gets Bryce Callahan last week on almost every single one of his snaps and, and a shadow treatment, and it didn't even matter. 11 targets, nine catches, over 20 points. So I like him a lot. The thing I'll say about Hopkins, and I'm going to be really interested again. So they have like the, whatever, the NFL game pass. You can watch these games on like 2X speed in like 12 minutes, take out all the plays. Hopkins had at least three, and it might have been four pass interferences against him. And he would have had huge plays on these. Like one of them would have been a touchdown. So I think he actually had six or seven targets. Obviously, they don't count the pass interference. But he was a lot more involved in that game than like the final box score says. So that keeps me at least fine. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with Hopkins in the game. Kirk gets the long touchdown. So Hopkins, I'm still pretty in, intrigued by at 7,700. I think you get a fair and proper discount off of Adams, but he'd probably be the next guy that I'm going to. Okay. What are your thoughts if you come down into the 6K range now? You've got someone asked us to talk about Rams and Seattle receivers. We certainly will. You don't have to worry about that uh, because there's a number of them. And let me just make sure the total. Yeah, 55 and a half point total here. 56 between Buffalo and Arizona. What are you doing with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Tyler Lockett? All of them are ranging from 6,600 to 6,900 on DraftKings. Yeah, I think that Cooper Cup's going to be the guy that I probably get to the most here. Now, Woods, just with the rushing ability, we've seen him with multiple rushing touchdowns, gives you another way to at least get there. But Cup's probably the guy who gets the most. They'll both be in stacks, and it makes it very easy to get to them when you factor in Goff's price point, not really spending all that much money total in the stack compared to some of those top-end receivers. But Cup, I mean, the one game's an outlier. He ran 62 routes, the most out of anybody this year in the NFL, dating back to even last year when it was, I believe, Robert Woods who ran the most routes uh, in a high total game. But earlier in the year, it was just like you're getting 26 routes run, 30 routes run. They're relying off of efficiency and play action passing. That's kind of the bottom's fallen out on that the last three weeks for the Rams. And now it's the perfect get right spot, similar for Buffalo, how they were struggling against Seattle. Uh, and you've been seeing more and more routes run for Cooper Cup. So I, I think this is a really nice spot. It's going to be an obviously high owned situation, just any team that's playing Seattle this year. But I'd go Cup and, and then Woods in that order. Okay. Ben, what about you? And I'll throw Terry McLaurin into the mix as well, because this guy's been pretty uh, dominant lately as well. Yeah, I, I worry a little bit. I mean, I wasn't sold on Kyle Allen, so I guess maybe it's not that big a drop-off, but I, I do worry a little about just where Washington is as, as a team right now. So do I, sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you guys. Obviously, the Rams, it, it would be hard-pressed to think, you know, we were talking before the show, and we were saying even Cam threw against Seattle. Like, there has been no one, no offense, even if they're struggling, that hasn't gotten right when they've seen the Seahawks defense. And with Russell Wilson pushing teams on the other side, it, it just sets up for another one of those. So you have to like Cup. Uh, Will Fuller is just there, 67. Uh, you know, that's an interesting team. The Texans certainly have not been even remotely impressive this year. 
He's been healthy though. <laughs> Touchdown in six straight games. I mean, he's doing his thing. You have Cooks there as well. I think he's not a priority. I'd rather go Cup, but a lot of big, uh, big guys. And then the Bucks guys are in this range: Lafayette, Evans, and Godwin. How about the? Uh, yeah, they are. It's just going to be tough to get to some of those. Really tough. You know, six K is is not expensive for someone as talented as Godwin. You knew Ben, uh, ben coming into the season. I loved Chris Godwin. Uh, and, you know, I, I I won't take an L on any of that. He's been hurt. I'm, I'm happy to accept when I'm wrong. But in a spot like this, you know, coming into to last week's game or coming into to Sunday night's game, he had been targeted 29 times and he had caught 26 of those passes. You know, he'd been remarkably efficient, but he just kept getting hurt. Uh, I think Godwin, again, like I said, Brady is someone's going to have to score for, for Tampa. Ben, we talked about the, the run game, maybe there's a spot to get to there. But I also think if, if you're playing a lot of lineups here, getting in some Tampa stacks and may, you know, mixing in Godwin and, or, or Evans and, and Godwin or Gronk or something like that, it does make sense. What about, what about uh, work your way down to the lower 6K? I, I'm not going to go crazy here, Sal, but uh, Travis Fogum is the GOAT. We all know that. It's just, it's just clear at this point. Uh, I'm joking, but in all seriousness, he's really good for a guy that was scooped off the the waivers after the, the Lions released him. He's been outstanding, uh, and he's been good in the red zone, good in the end zone. Uh, do you, I, I'm wondering is is he going to see? Um, I, I think he probably sees shadow coverage from from Bradbury this week. Pro Football Focus has it as that. Who knows? But it wasn't that way when they faced the Giants a couple weeks ago. That shows this man starting to get the respect he deserves. Yeah, I have Fulgham right now started as somebody that I want to get to. I think I'll see Bradbury. Bradbury had the really good start to the season, and then he's kind of fallen off a little bit since then. The last game that the Giants played, well, back in week eight, he had three pass interference penalties. He was getting beat left and right by um, Mickens on Tampa Bay at that point, like a, a fifth or sixth string wide receiver. He had a pass interfere twice just to avoid touchdowns. So, Evans beat him on the corner end zone touchdown as well. Yeah, so I'm not too concerned about that, and we've seen what we've seen from Fulgham. There's also a story. Uh, before he was with the Lions, he was with the Packers this camp. He went to one Zoom meeting, and then, like, at the end of the Zoom meeting, he got a text from his agent that he was released by the team, and it was, like, his oh first God. meeting with the team. So, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's just been bounced around everywhere. So it's even crazier to see just, like, how these guys just keep their mental state to keep performing. But, yeah, he's been fine. I'm okay to get there. There's a lot of guys that they'll be in groups, right, like, Robbie Anderson's in this range. I still prefer him out of all the Carolina guys. He's been by far the most consistent piece there. Really tough matchup for Cincinnati. But if anything, we just know that it ensures that they're probably going to throw 40-plus times yet again. So it makes Tyler Boyd, it makes T. Higgins look really appealing in this range as well. So it probably comes down to the stacks. As like a guy who if there was like a one-off spot that I would prefer the most out of this entire range, it's probably going to be just Tyler Lockett at 6,500. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how you get away from Lockett either. Uh, ben, 5K range, lower 6K range. What stands out to you? Anything jumping off the page is just a really quality option that's probably underpriced or just overall in a great spot? So I, I think this is where we get to more pieces of stacks for me. You know, you have secondary receivers. When you look at, you've got T. Higgins, you've got Cooks, uh, Kirk. Like these are going to be guys that if you don't pay for the premier option, you still attach them maybe to Kyler Murray or I mean, I guess you could go Burrow, but more Deshaun Watson if you don't want Fuller. So there's a lot to like here. I mean, John Brown was someone last week, similar spot. Obviously, he's priced up a little bit, finished with 99 yards, fell on the one-yard line. It could have been a lot bigger. Uh, so I have to look at that. And then, you know, Jerry Judy was 
uh, I've been a high on him like a lot. He, it's starting to connect uh, 14 targets last week. Now, I will say the last two weeks, they've had massive, massive positive game scripts for him. They fall behind. They have to play crazy catch up. I don't think it's inconceivable that happens again, though. So I'll probably continue to buy on Judy just because I think long term, this guy's, you know, the limit. Ben Roethlisberger on COVID-19 reserve list. He doesn't have it, but Vance McDonald does have it. was a close contact and a few other guys, Jalen Samuel and a few others, they have to test positive, isolate for five or test negative, uh, isolate for five days could be uh, returned to the team by Saturday. Sal, the reason I bring that up is that I'm having trouble understanding Deontay Johnson's pricing over the past few weeks. I know you and I both liked him quite a bit at that 40 ridiculous $4,200 price point against Tennessee monster two touchdown game. Uh, two weeks ago against Baltimore wasn't great, uh, but it's a tough spot. And then against Dallas, he was targeted 10 times. Um, sure. They had to pass a lot, but Deontay Johnson is the number one on that team. 5,200 against Cincinnati uh, in a game that actually has a lot of potential to shoot out. It sounds crazy, but Cincinnati has managed to move the football in this game, has a lower total. Understood. They don't have a very high total. But nevertheless, I've used that word too much today. i got to chill on that. Deontay Johnson at 5,200 does seem pretty cheap. Yeah, he's in this 5K range of a group of Kirk, Judy, Cooks, and Deontay Johnson that I kind of started early on just to look a little bit more into. And I assume I usually do projections today that there'll be some of the guys who pop off the most. Just that's how it's been basically so far. Deontay Johnson, but there's been one game that he's been healthy that he hasn't seen a double-digit target share so far this season. I think Claypool is right now pushing him overall, especially in the red zone for like that number one wide receiver role, which is just crazy that Judy or uh, uh, Juju right now seems like the number three wide receiver pretty clear. But yeah, Johnson at 5,200, he continues to be like on the short list of cash consideration, strong wide receiver options. You like any other value plays at wide receiver before we move over to tight end? Yeah, there's a couple. I think that Sterling Shepard's still too cheap. Eight, 10, and eight targets since he's returned so far this season. You've been seeing what Curtis Samuel's been doing. I don't know how long that stays up with just having a lot of nice options there, but he's fine to look at. And the guy that I think is going to be really interesting, and we had this, now it's a totally different offense. They're throwing a ton with the Kansas City Chiefs. Highest total on the slate. People stay away because of blowout scare. That's going to probably be what happens in the narrative with the Packers this week, 33 implied total. But Alan Lazard started practicing two weeks ago at this point. He could have played on Thursday night if needed. They just held him out because they're playing a B-Squad 49ers team, it seemed like. Now 10 more days off since then. He's just 4K, and before he ended up getting hurt, he was really the pretty strong and clear number two option. 18 fantasy points, 8 fantasy points, and 26 fantasy points against the Saints uh, before he ended up getting, I think it was a core muscle injury. So at 4K flat, that kind of unlocks anything you want to do with Packers stacks. Ben, how about you close out the wide receiver position for us? Yeah, just to touch on that real quick. I mean, MVS was, uh, if he would have dropped that wide open touchdown, he would have been cut on the field. So (laughs) they don't seem confident in him at all. He did have a good game, but Lazard should slide right in there. I want to bring up, and listen, there's a lot lot of moving parts with the Eagles. They're banged up. But I think that if Bradbury shadows, Jalen Rager is, is one of the rookies that hasn't exploded yet, but he was hurt and it seems like it's trending upward. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, his price continue to rise. I don't mind the matchup if Fulgham is taking all, all of that exposure. 4200 I, I think he's not a $4,200 player. So I, I will buy low on him and hope we see him more regularly on the field. Sure. He scored in that last game that he, he played, did. really the only the second game that he's played. Uh, he had a two-point conversion. And uh, late in the fourth quarter, Wentz targeted him on a 30-yard touchdown, what would be touchdown. They got knocked away at the last second. That could have changed a lot if you added that 30-yard touchdown uh, to the to the box score. It didn't happen, of course, but he was 
he was looked at in the end zone multiple times, and that's pretty encouraging. So he's definitely risky. There's no doubt. But once you get down, uh, once you get down cheap here, there aren't any options that aren't going to be volatile once you get this cheap. So it's it's just the way it is. All right, tight ends. Uh, and by the way, guys, if you uh, are ever trying to listen, maybe you're at work or something, and you don't want your phone open, maybe you don't have YouTube Premium. Uh, our, all of our stuff is available in podcast form as well. So be sure to check that out. After we're done here on the live stream, it all becomes available in podcast form on any platform that hosts podcasts. You can find it, the Awesome Podcast, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, for all of our sports, all of our shows. Um, okay, so Sal, $6,600, George Kittle. He's the highest priced tight end. He's out hitting the IR. That sucks, by the way, for so many of my seasonal teams, seasonal teams. Then you've got Darren Waller, who's been fine, but he hasn't exactly been been earth-shattering in terms of production. He has managed, however, to find the end zone in three of his last four games, whereas last year he couldn't score. He just racked up a ton of yardage. And then, amazingly, TJ Hawkinson continues to hover above that 5K range. He's been good, doesn't have the breakout game yet, but I'm just throwing at you some of the higher-priced guys to hit on. If you want to throw Gronk and Jared Cook into that mix, go for it. Yeah, so Waller, you mentioned it. I mean, right now you're getting him still as like this number one receiver on this team. They're just pretty fine running the ball and taking the air out of it completely. And as six-point favorites in this one, I suspect they do that again, but feels pretty confident that he's just going to keep coming out here and catching five passes and finishing with like at the very least double-digit fantasy points. So at 5,900, he'll keep looking like a strong value. He's a yes for me. I don't know if I get any stacks of that team, so that probably might limit the ownership. Basically, if you're not in a stack, I try and punt. If there's no punts, then I'll just pay all the way up. So Waller, I expect to get a good amount of. Font would probably be the guy I get to next. Albert O suffered an injury. I think there might have been a report this morning. I didn't read the full thing, but he wasn't getting a ton of usage, but he was getting red zone usage. So that's going to help Noah Font get on the field even more at this point at $4,900. I think it's a very strong matchup against Vegas. That's bottom three overall in guarding the position and just in general, their secondary right now. So he looks good at 4900 So both tight ends in that game stand out the most to me, probably above that Jared Cook $4,600 price tag. Anything for you up top, Ben? Our boy Jared Cook finally came through last week, and now he's got a couple weeks with pretty decent production. So it's not it's not a great tight end crop here. Uh, and, yeah, just a Albert O out for the year. Another Bronco just completely gone. That team can't catch a break. <laughs> I will say that finally Evan Ingram – is starting to put it together. Yep. 20 targets over the last two games, found the end zone against Washington, 4,500. It's not going to change. Listen, Sterling Shepard, these other guys I actually think help because even though the targets are still there, but it, they're just high, more efficient targets and it opens up. They can't key on Ingram. The running game's not existent, but at, at 45, I think you could do worse than that. I, I want to say Kasiki, I do, but... He's another one. I, I've been a little disappointed. I, I thought he would really be live for a big time year. I don't know if it's been, you know, now they moved to Tua and whatnot, and they're a better team than I expected. But he's forty three hundred. I, I do think again, mid range, not the worst play in the world. A little, little off, off the path there. I thought he'd be better as well. And you've seen games where like Doran, Doran Smythe and Adam Shaheen are scoring touchdowns, yeah, and, and Gasecki gets nothing. Uh, no offense. I know he returned, but he was clearly hobbled late in that game. If he does play, I just think he's going to be really good. And from an overall skill set, if he's on the field and he's not injured, given all of the injuries that they've seen, Albert O also being out, uh, I'm willing to get to Fant. 
Let's do this. Sal, any cheap tight ends that stand out to you? It has been such a bad position from a value perspective, but some people are winning big tournaments, getting zeros or twos or threes from the tight end. Yeah, I mean, last week we were able to punt Irv Smith. He ran like nine routes and scored two touchdowns, got hurt, but he ended up paying off. It doesn't seem like there's anything in this range. Like Adam Trotman, people might point to as a guy who is at the minimum price. He only ran 10 routes last week, so I don't know how much I really want to rely on that. We talked about Jared Cook. So, yeah, I mean, like I'll try and find a punt as the week goes on, maybe some injuries. Logan Thomas at 3,300 keeps getting targeted, but another quarterback change. Uh, Tyler Higby at 3,700 because of the matchup, but – He's only running like 25 routes a week. They, they threw 62 times. He only ran 24 routes. So he's not all that involved in the offense. Yeah, I mean, my favorite guy below 4K, I'd probably go Austin Hooper in a return game for somebody who was very consistent before he ended up getting hurt, which is going to just end the whole Harrison Bryant experimentation and cheap price point too on him. There's your answer, Charlie. A little Austin Hooper action for this week. Ben, quickly, who do you have at the bottom of the tight end position? Yeah, I don't have much. Austin Hooper was was the guy for me. And I think, you know, it was an appendectomy. So I assume that he comes back and he's not like limited in any way. He can either, it's like kind of like a concussion. You can either play or you can't. So he should be good to go. He was actually on a, you know, positive trajectory before that happened. I... It'll be, you know, I think Sal said it well. If I punt at tight end, you know, I'll, I'll look to maybe attach it to a really good game environment where you know at least there's going to be a lot of touchdowns up for grabs, like with Buffalo last week. Obviously, you're not going to target those guys, but there's just so many touchdowns. Sometimes they break your way. So teams like the Rams, uh, Houston, m- maybe you just look there and just hope that one of those touchdowns ends up being uh, on a punt tight end. All right, we got about 30 seconds. Want to get out of here in time. Let's go below 2,700 defense. I will throw Detroit at you. It's very simple. They're facing Washington, Alex Smith. They're not a good defense, but they're cheap. Should not allow a lot of scoring. Ben, who do you have? I'll go with the Raiders. Uh, Locke, I like Locke, but he makes mistakes, and, and clearly the Broncos are, are prone to some turnovers. Sal? Yeah, I'll take the Rams here. Russell Wilson's thrown a ton of interceptions and has a lot of turnovers. I don't even know how he could be an MVP at this point, but I think he's got like 10 picks right now. So I'll go with the Rams. And then punt tight end, $2,700 Tyler Eifert actually looks decent. I don't hate that. Thanks as always for watching, guys. Subscribe if you haven't done so yet. Hit that thumbs up. But more importantly, subscribe. Help us continue to put out free content here on the site. Follow us out at Salvetri DFS and YouTube Salvetri DFS. Ben at Jazzraz DFS. Myself on Twitter at Lafayette underscore D. And of course, Awesomeo at Awesomeo underscore com. Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Russell Wilson shade, I like it.